Well, it is uh, good to be back. I hate that I missed the fun run, and after that announcement, wow, that sounded like a, a fun time uh, to see all you guys using your gifts um, for the body's sake and, and really the community and helping our church uh, raise that money for the school. And um, I, Mary and I were at a family reunion, so we hadn't been to one of those for my dad's side of the family in years. So it was really good to be with them. I know a number of you are praying for some opportunities of the gospel, and uh, there were several. So uh, thank you for praying for that. Um, it's just always a, a joy to be able to be with family, but it's an even greater joy to be with a spiritual family. So um, excited to be back here. We got in late last night and uh, jumping back in now to Sunday and life together. And particularly, uh, we're in the series of spiritual gifts, gifted for growth. This is week 10. Uh, in our series, and as you remember, the first two weeks we kind of overviewed the gifts. If you're new, we, we did kind of a bird's eye view of what these gifts are, why we've been given them. And um, in the last, really, most of the series, we've been looking at these gifts individually, kind of gift by gift, and we've organized those into what we've called the foundational gifts from Ephesians 2.20. And the ongoing gifts, the gifts that are for today and are continuing today in the midst of the members of the church. And last time, we talked about a few of those related gifts there of um, pastors, teachers, shepherds, and teachers, and then the gift of teaching. And then we also lumped in exhortation here because they're all similar in the gift package. And today, we're going we're gonna to bring in two more closely related gifts um, and they're related together under the banner of leadership. Uh, we could call them leading gifts, um, but that's a little bit misleading because one of them is translated leadership, and the other one, as you'll see, is translated administration. But I put them on the same line here. I think they're distinct, but they are you know, in the same leading category. And when, we just, when we're jumping into these gifts, it's just important to remember, you know, kind of like the rest of the gifts we, that we've talked about, when it comes to the concept of, of spiritual gifts, generally speaking, they, they function like, like normal things in the Christian life. In other words, as believers, we're all called to fulfill these various gifts that we see in Scripture. Like, we can't just make the excuse, well, since I don't have the gift of teaching, therefore I don't have to speak the truth to my neighbor, you know, in love, like Ephesians 4.25 commands me to. That's a command to the whole church. So whether or not I have the gift of teaching, I'm still commanded to exercise, to speak, speak truthfully. You know, same thing with the, the gift of evangelism. You know, we can't opt out and say, I don't have the gift, so I'm not going to ever try to share the gospel with anyone. Um, 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1 tells us that we've got to have the uh, reason for the hope that's within us and um, speak, uh, proclaim his excellencies. That's to the whole church. So it, it, what is the reality with these gifts? It's just that whoever has the gift will be especially good at these things. They're gifted by the Spirit to do them. And the same principle is true with leadership. So just think, think this through with me kind of on the outset as we're, as we're headed into this. By definition, men are designed to do what? They're designed to lead, right? So they lead in the family, they, and they lead whether they have the gift or not, right? They're commanded to lead. They're the head of their families by default. And so all men at some level must learn to lead. But it's not just exclusive to men either, because guess what women need to do? They need to lead in various capacities. Just think, let's just take the home as an example. 
They have to delegate it you know, under their husband. They have to lead their children, manage their home. Um, that's very clear, 1 Timothy 5. And so, in some capacity, women, too, are to lead in these various ways. And then if you think even beyond that, all elders are essentially called to lead. And I think you could make the argument that even deacons at some level are leading in the congregation. But when it comes to the gifts, and especially these gifts of leadership, the gifts of administration, uh, there's the reality that some in the body are going to do this especially well. Okay? They're going to do this especially well. And maybe some of you have these gifts. And so with those with the, this, these leading gifts, they're either going to be out in front, setting the overall vision and direction of the church, or they'll be thinking critically and charting out the path to get there. Okay? So you're going to be out in front, setting the vision, or kind of thinking through how do, how do, we, how do we get there. So that, in a nutshell, are the gifts of leading, and these gifts of leadership and administration. So today, we're just going to take a look at both of these um, headings here, uh, the gift of leadership and administration, and we're going to start with the gift of leadership. Begin here with the gift of leadership. Really, one of the only places it shows up in this language um, is in Romans 12, verse 8. I've got that on the screen for you. We'll look at that. Romans 12, 8 is where we find this particular gift. So you can go ahead and turn there or just follow along on the screen. We'll pick it up in verse 6. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and here it is, the one who leads with zeal. The one who leads with zeal. So we're going to do the same thing we've done with this gift. We're going to kind of try to flesh this out as much as we can with, and, and start with what, what do we know in Scripture about this gift. What do we know about the gift of leading from Scripture? And I've, I've kind of limited myself to just this word group. There's a lot of other things you could look at in Scripture on leadership, but I've, I've limited myself just to this word group. And when you're asking that question, really one of the first things I want to point out is... One of the first things we see is that it's, it's found in some of the elders. So I think that might sound funny because, you know, I thought all elders were leaders. Well, they are. But the gift of leadership, I think Paul implies, is found in some of the elders. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy 5.17 for a couple of these points here. The gift of leadership is found in some of the elders. Give me some guys a chance to write that down. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. All right, 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders who rule well, there's our word. That's the word that you could translate that, those who lead well. And that's probably a better translation than rule, because that sounds like a kingly thing. Those, let the elders who lead well be considered worthy of double honor. Meaning that 
since the essence of what it means to be an elder is also to be a leader, then it's not surprising that these folks are described with this term. But like we said, all of them lead, but some of them may not be as gifted in it as others, or may not be gifted really in, at all. They may need to rely on those who, as Paul says here, lead well or rule well, meaning, I think, that they have the gift of leadership. And that's the essence of having a gift, right? Is that you do it well. You do something particularly well because you're empowered to do it by the Spirit. Now, that said, you might lead well and not be an elder, okay? doesn't mean just because you have the gift of leadership, therefore you must be an elder. You might, you might lead, have the gift of leadership and at least not yet be an elder, but this is a budding gift, maybe a budding gift in you, and you're seeking to experience in this gift. Or you might be a woman with the gift of leadership, and so you won't be an elder, but you'll likely be a, woman's, a women's ministry leader at some point or overseeing some particular area of the ministry. All I'm pointing out here is that even though all elders lead, some of the elders are described as leading particularly well, which I think is another way of describing this leadership gift. All right, let's keep building on that. We also see that this gift is associated with teaching in the same text, same passages, closely associated with preaching and teaching. Did you catch that? So we'll shift back over there. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Paul's saying you pay these elders who have these leadership gifts and they lead especially with these gifts of preaching and teaching. So we lead with the scriptures. That's the first principle, really, you know, key principle about leadership in the Bible is that leaders lead with the scriptures. In other words, leadership as a gift has to do with getting Christ's vision for the church out clearly to other people and compelling them to follow in it. Make sense? The leadership gift isn't necessarily about some charisma of the leader or his his vision for the church. It's about understanding Christ's vision for the church and clearly communicating that in teaching and preaching to the congregation. And so that would also imply then, since it's associated with teaching, that the leadership gift is a communicative gift, right? It has to do with communication at some level. And yet, apparently, it is also distinct from teaching. So you're saying, okay, sounds contradictory here. It's associated with teaching, and yet it's distinct from it. Where are you you getting that from? Well, back in our text in Romans 12, Paul lists it as a distinct gift, and he lists it alongside the other gifts like teaching and exhortation. So let's look over there real quick. Just notice this, we just read this. He he leads this paragraph with having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And now he spells out those different gifts. And if you notice in the underline, you have the teacher, you have the exhorter, and then you also have the leader. So at some level, this is distinct from the gift, all those those other communicative gifts of teaching and exhortation. And so even though leadership is related to communicating Scripture, it is distinct from it somehow. Well, how so? Well, I think you could say that it's more than teaching. The gift of leadership is more than teaching. 
In other words, you can be a good teacher and not necessarily a good leader. And that's because, as we're going to see, leadership has to do with direction. Direction. In other words, the gifted leader doesn't simply stand up and teach what God's Word says, as fundamental as that is, but he helps the church know specifically what direction we should take in light of those truths. What goals we should set as a church in light of what the Scriptures teach. What initiatives we're going to pursue in the here and now and choose not to pursue in the here and now in the 21st century at Timberlake Baptist. Somebody has to decide those things for a church. And others naturally look to those with the gift of leadership to do just that. To lead, right? So, leadership doesn't simply teach. It also mobilizes others in a particular and focused direction in obedience to Christ. You see the difference? I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's, beyond, not just, it's not just teaching. It encompasses teaching, but it's beyond teaching a bit. And that's why I think this gift is also associated with zeal. This gift is associated with zeal. Romans chapter 12, verse 8. And in that, in that passage, you know, same passage we just looked at, Paul tells us that the one with this gift should exercise it with, with what he's saying is zeal or like a passionate devotion to the leadership task. And what he's getting at is there's an intensity of conviction that's required in this gift. There's a, there's a need to work hard to expend effort in reaching those biblical goals. And zeal is crucial for the gift because leading others is compelling, leading others and then, and then following that with compelling them to reach those goals, that can be lonely and difficult work. And so the leader is often biblically motivating the church, so he himself needs to be biblically motivated. He has to have zeal in what he's doing and how he's leading those things. And the elders together cultivating that zeal together. So I think those are some things that the Bible just teaches about, about the leadership gift. So let's, let's bring all that together, take all these observations into account, and ask the question, what is this gift? How would we define it? So I've got, I've got a shorter definition and a longer definition, okay? Um, so for those of you who want, like, simplicity, key in the shorter one. For those of you who like depth, we're going to key into the longer one, okay? The shorter definition, we could say it like this. The gift of leadership is an ability to set clear or set a clear biblical direction and mobilize others to follow. I think that's a succinct definition. It leaves some stuff out, but I think it's at least, it kind of gets our minds around what this leadership gift is. It's an ability to set a clear biblical direction and then mobilize others to follow in that direction. All right, you ready for the expanded definition? Let's do it. All right. Hey, don't, don't moan, okay? Don't moan. It's good. It'll be, it'll be helpful. I'm just kidding. Here's the expanded definition, all right? It is an ability to understand Christ's vision for the church. It starts there. And then to set tangible goals to help the church fulfill that vision. And then to communicate those goals 
in such a way that compels the church to maximize their gifts to fulfill those goals. All right? We're going to unpack that. Let's take that apart, kind of clause by clause, okay? Let's start with understanding Christ's vision. Those gifted in leadership don't have their own creative vision for the church. They have keen insight into the Scriptures, into what Christ wants for His church, because the Lord of the church has been very clear about what we are to be and do, and even how He wants us to carry that out. And the gift of leadership starts with kind of digging deep there and understanding Christ's own vision that He's already communicated in His Word and getting any kind of novelty just out of the system. All right? That's where all biblical leadership starts. It's not about you. It is about Christ. Understanding His vision. But then there's the reality that we've got to work we got to work out Christ's commands today and here and now, right? In our culture, in our local assembly. And that requires us as a church to decide what we're going to focus on and what we're not going to focus on. What we're going to put funds toward, what we're not going to put funds toward. And we, we have to decide what kind of ministries we're going to facilitate, which ones we're not going to try to facilitate. And so the gift of leadership has to do with setting those tangible goals or you might say like an overall trajectory for today that's in line with Christ's vision for His church. It's fulfilling that vision. Here's, here are the goals we're going to focus on. Here's how we believe the people of TBC are going to best fulfill the biblical vision. So those with the gift of leadership are forward thinkers. They're usually two or three steps ahead of most. But it doesn't just stop with setting those goals or setting the trajectory those gifts in leadership are also those gifted in leadership are also able to communicate it in a way that's clear and compelling. Okay, so it wouldn't do any good if the leader has like these great ideas, but he can't communicate those out. Right? So there has to be a communicative aspect to this gift that the, that the, that the vision of Christ and the goals that, that the elders are setting for the church come across in a clear and compelling way. And the church, it doesn't take long to kind of see these people because the church kind of almost automatically like recognizes them. They look to them for a reason, because they're convictional in their leadership. They're clear in the text. Or as Paul says, they lead with zeal, and it comes out in their communication. The goals make sense, right? Like it, it, they, they see they're clearly tied to Scripture. And even if the goals are challenging, which they will be, the church is compelled and motivated by the leader to follow and to work together in fulfilling that vision for God's glory. And that means then that the leadership gift is able to then recognize the gifts of others and to deploy those gifts in the best ways. So that's kind of getting to the end of our, end of our statement here. It compels the church to maximize their gifts for the fulfillment of this vision. He's able to help others kind of point those gifts out, like affirm them in others, maximize them, and then give clear direction to deploy those gifts in fulfillment of the Great Commission. So there's more we could say about this gift of leadership, but, but those so gifted are naturally out in front because they have ideas for what we should do and biblical reasons why we should do them. And then they're able to mobilize the others in the assembly to work together for those goals. So... 
how do I know I have this gift? What would be some identifications or things that kind of tend to that people with this gift tend to tend to have? Well, again, this is in these quest, these last few questions are going to be like totally anecdotal, experiential, because there's not a lot of things you can observe really from Scripture on this, but. I would just say, I was telling Mary this morning, I'm really glad I've, I'm doing this like years into pastoral ministry and not at the beginning of it because I feel like I've got all this data to kind of draw from. But typically, I'm saying typically because it's not like you have to have all these things, but typically people with this gift seem to be full of good ideas. They're always thinking. They're always turning things over in their minds. And to other people, it just it may seem exhausting, right? Like you're, you're always thinking about stuff, and you're always kind of thinking out ahead. You're always thinking in the future, kind of two or three steps out in front. But I think at a general, kind of general level, we can say that these are people that are full of good ideas. Also, people with this gift are zealous or convictional in their approach to life. Now, again, doesn't mean, like, should we all be zealous? Yes. But these folks have a particular kind of convictionalness about them. They're, they're zealous in their approach. Because once they settle in on a goal, once they're convinced of it, they decisively pursue it, and it's hard to move them off that goal. And we're talking maybe even just for their own lives, right? Even if they're not leading anything necessarily. They're willing to stick their necks out for something difficult, and they're willing to sacrifice to make it happen. And then often other people around them are compelled to help them fulfill it by the magnetism of their convictions. You know what I'm talking about? That's because they seem to have a knack for motivating other people, whether they recognize it or not. So you could ask yourself, when you look behind you, if you think you might have this gift, when you look behind you, are people actually following you? Do they want to? Or is there nobody behind you, you know? Do they sense a need to follow you because you have clarity and direction? Do they seek your direction? And then do they respond positively to it? I think that's just kind of getting in it. But that that brings up another maybe indicator is a, a knack for mobilizing others. So people with this gift will also quickly spot the gifts of others. Well, let me caveat that. They... Sometimes, usually, maybe. We're going to talk about that in a minute while I'm caveating there. But part of this gift, I think, is, a, is an ability to kind of recognize the giftedness of other people where they could best fit into the overall mission, even at a high level, right? So they might not be able to dial into the specifics as well, but at a high level, they can begin to recognize these things. So just ask yourself, are you able to recognize the gifts of others and then work alongside them or even deploy them to maximize those gifts, or is that just a stretch for you? Is that something that's like, ah, I can't even, that's hard for me to get my, my mind around thinking about, thinking about that. So you'd have a knack for mobilizing others. And then finally, those with the gift of leadership are willing to assume responsibility. They're willing to assume responsibility in the church and particularly responsibility for others. And it might be reluctant at first just because that's how it always, I mean, it's, you're aware of your own frailties and weaknesses. And so anybody comes to you and says, hey, will you take this task on? And you're like, 
who am I to do that? Like, I can barely feel like I can barely keep my, my head above water here. Um, but I think the, the reality of a leader is they understand that responsibility is necessary. And so they're willing to step in and shoulder responsibility even to a greater degree than most. And they're not trying to take the path of least resistance. They, ha- they kind of have that, you know, to kind of take the hill mentality. All right, so those are some ways you might, again, just anecdotal things you might see in the gift of leadership. Let's think about um, what are some of the pitfalls? What are some things I need to be aware of if I think I might have this gift? What are things to watch out for? All right, you ready? Too many ideas. Many times, those visionary types can have way too many ideas, and they can be overwhelming to everybody else. Sometimes they may be out of touch with reality. Okay, it doesn't mean they're not still visionary leadership types, but they just might, they're young and out of touch. Like, okay, you're way too far in the future here. You're always dreaming about what could be, and you're missing what is, right? So too many ideas. You might lack follow-through, okay? So along those same lines, many younger leaders can, can lack a follow-up ability about their idea. You know, they'll have a great idea. They'll compel everybody to follow it. They're passionate about it in the beginning. But once the idea gets off the ground, guess what? Ready to start something new, right? They kind of get, easily get tired of the idea, and maybe before they see it all the way through or even hand off leadership to someone else. Sometimes they won't adequately see their original idea through to its completion. So I think that's a danger. Then there's also, how do I put this, minimizing the insights of others. Or just plain old arrogance, right? Sometimes those gifted in leadership fall prey to minimizing the, the insights and the ideas of other people. They'll get locked into an idea or a goal because they've, you know, quote, unquote, thought it through. But they don't realize it needs to get beat up and refined by the team, by the other gifts, right? And the telltale signs of an arrogant heart is when someone gets possessive over an idea. That's important, okay? Possessiveness over an idea is a revealer that your heart is in it for the wrong reason. Because then you're going to resort to manipulation tactics to to try to get that idea through versus trusting God and his providential working in that. So just beware of that that temptation to arrogance, the temptation to uh, minimize the the ideas of others and the insights of others. And then along with that, there's just impatience with others. Those gifted in leadership often struggle with impatience, especially when they are younger and they might be gifted and affirmed by their peers. They're often irritated with those who are slow to come around to their ideas. Or slow to connect the dots, you know. You know so I, we're just now doing this idea? I said that four months ago. You know, great job catching up, you know. Maybe they're, they're, they're impatient with those who are more cautious and calculated in their approach. Leaders think that everybody should be able to quickly think two or three steps ahead, just like them. Right? 
and to see the implications of things like they see it quickly, you know. But that's the gift part. And not everyone can do that or even should do that. And so slowness of others for the leader is a gift. It's a gift to slow him down. It refines the ideas. It helps test the leader's motives. All right? So let's ask another question then. How can I maximize this gift? If I think I have it, if I think I'm a, you know, gifted in leadership, how can I maximize it? Well, these are pretty obvious, so we can, you know, we can kind of zip through these. But you've got to start with leading yourself well. Okay? If you're, if you're not faithful over your own governance of yourself, you're not going to be faithful with governing other things. Which includes your character, not just your abilities, but your character. All those things that you, you have to have a life worth following. It's another way to say that. And again, you're not going to ever arrive at perfection. We've, we know that. We're aware of that. But you, you want to have some of those basics down as far as like, your own life and your own convictions and what it is that you're leading people in and toward. And then you would want to lead your various responsibilities well, right? So not only just yourself, but the things the Lord has given you at this moment. So you need to know what those are. You know, what are those responsibilities the Lord's given you? Are you leading those well in your respective spheres of influence? What areas can you be improving in? Do you regularly even evaluate those? in terms of the ways you could be improving. So lead in your various responsibilities. And then learn from proven leaders. Learn from proven leaders. Don't think just because you have the gift at a budding level that you know all you need to know. Because you don't. So I've had to learn this the hard way. Okay, <laughs> Like learn from proven leaders who are out ahead of you and they've got experience Ask them questions, learn what they do, why they do it. And I'm talking about, you know, Christian leaders. You know, ideally, it doesn't mean you can't learn from, from non-Christian leaders, but I'm, I'm talking here in the church in, in light of spiritual gifts. And then look for opportunities to join ministry teams in the church, like ongoing type, type teams where you can get involved in the children or parking or wherever, and, and you can begin to assume some responsibility and steward, see, and just steward that. See if you can steward that well. And then, I don't know if I said this. Am I behind here? Yeah, I didn't add this one on. But take, op- take responsibility when it's offered to you. Okay, when it gets offered, and there's a spiritual responsibility comes your way, somebody thinks that they tap you to do it, think long and hard before you decline the offer. Um, because this is, a, this is a chance to continue to take that next step in broadening your leadership shoulders, if you think you have this gift. All right, now, where are we at? All right, we got 15 minutes. And that's okay, because this one's closely related. The second gift is closely related to the first. And uh, we could translate this gift, as, as m- many do, as the gift of administration. The gift of administration. This gift is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So we'll just pull it up here on the screen for you. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, there it is, and various kinds of tongues. So administrating is the word that Paul, the way the ESV and the NASB translate this term. 
So what is this gift? Well, this gift is a little harder to find because we don't have much to go off of. This is the only time that this term is found in the New Testament. Usually, like this is a noun, usually you can scrape around and find a related verb or something that's going to give you some insights, but we don't have any of that in the New Testament either. But we have it outside of the New Testament, the verb that's related to this noun. And the verb, when you go outside the New Testament, you see the verb has to do with steering a ship. It's the action of guiding a ship or piloting a ship. And that's a helpful starting point, okay, kind of frame of reference as we're thinking about what this gift is. So what does a pilot do? What does what somebody who's, who's navigating a ship do? Well, he navigates the boat from one destination to another destination, right? That's what a pilot of a ship does. He navigates this thing from one point to another, from A to B. So that's outside of the Bible, you know, and, and, and maybe a verb that helps us kind of shed some light. But when we, when we go to, there's a Greek translation, an old Greek translation of the Old Testament. And this term pops up a couple different times, this term that's in our text. And it's used in context of guiding other people or giving other people counsel. And that makes sense in terms of, you know, if you take literally guiding a ship, navigating it from point A to point B, then if you kind of metaphor, you know, transition over to something else, it's this direction idea. So I'll give you a few. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, They who have no direction, again, I'm, I'm going from the Greek translation of this, okay? So they who have no direction, there's our word, fall like leaves, but in much counsel there is safety. Then again, Proverbs 24, 6, with strategic planning, there's our word, with strategic planning, war is conducted and help with a counseled heart. So in that case, it's it's handled with strategic planning. So the underlying feature here that brings all this together seems to be that this is a gift of direction or guidance. Okay? At kind of the highest level. And so the NIV, if you have an NIV, it translates this gift as the gift of guidance. The gift of guidance. And if we take the metaphor of the ship pilot into account, this gift of guidance would involve implementation. The pilot was tasked with figuring out the best path to get from point A to point B and the steps that it would take to get the crew and the cargo safely there. And I think that's, that's, that this, it's this implementation nuance which leads the ESV and NASB to translate it as administrating or administrations. Because administration has the idea of of administering something, right? Like taking something, supervising the execution of a plan or the use of resources. And in today's vernacular, we might think of it as a manager, right? A manager. And that's actually how the Holman Christian Standard Bible translates this word as a manager or managing. Now, this gift is, it falls clearly within the wider category of leadership, But how might it be at least slightly distinguished from that first gift on our list that we looked at? Well, you could say it this way. We could say that the gift has slightly more to do with the execution of a goal than the actual formulation of the goal. Make sense? This gift has more to do with the the execution of it, the working out of this goal, the implementation of the goal versus 
setting the goal itself. Now, I, I'm, that's a hard line. I just presented it as a hard line. It's not as hard of a line between those two because often these, these things are together in our experience. But if you want to break it out, I think th- this, this word's focus seems to be on the implementation, how to get an idea from one dock to another dock, so to speak. So here's my working definition. I would say it like this. It's the ability to understand the goals of the church and to devise and execute plans to see it accomplished. It's the ability to understand the goals of the church, okay, and then to to kind of come alongside and devise and execute plans to see this goal accomplished. Give you a second on that one. Sorry, I'm, I'm just ripping through this lesson, so I want to make sure we get, get to it all. All right, how do I know that I have it? How do I know that I have this gift? What are some of the indicators? Well, people with this gift are usually concerned most with feasibility. What does that mean? We're talking about how something actually gets put into action. And again, these are anecdotal, so take it with a grain of salt. But usually, these are the things that characterize folks like this. How will something actually get put into action? So if this is you, ask yourself, when you hear an idea, does your mind immediately kick into gear of what steps would be necessary to see it accomplished? Right? Like you start thinking implementationally. Like, oh, if we're going to do that, we've got to do this first, this second, this third, this fourth, you know, and you just kind of start laying it out, almost in like a lightning bolt. You get better at that over time, but I'm saying, is that, is, that kind of how your, is that kind of how your mind works? So then as a result, then, these folks are able to spot points of failure in an idea. Or, much to our chagrin, they are able to shoot it down altogether. So my joke is I call them the idea assassins. I'm just kidding. Sometimes an idea needs to be assassinated. My ideas in particular. <laughs> All right, so this is, this is absolutely crucial, though, in a leadership setting. Think about it, if these people weren't there. You might have a sweet-sounding idea, but it has multiple points of failure, and because of those points of failure, the idea will not work. And if you don't spot those... You're going to go all that time, you're going to put all that energy, all that money, only to have an idea fail in the end. Or be subpar to the obvious problem that you could have avoided if you would have just not romanticized your idea. So ask yourself, do you find your mind more easily spotting where the rub will be in a particular area? Do you sometimes feel like the downer in group meetings because you're coming with constructive criticism? Right? So that's a telltale sign. Some other signs are people with this gift are usually organized. They're pretty good with systems, you know, and keeping track of where things are at in an implementation process. Again, all these things you can grow in, but I'm just saying these are kind of the knacks that you kind of have. Does it bug you? When there's long food lines at a church event and one door, you know, to get everybody through, or like one food line and there's like 500 people there, you know, just like, you need to like, like, we need four tables, like with two lines on each side, you know, 
Like, that's, that's kind of the impulse here. It's like, okay, you know, is that, do you sometimes feel like, you know, like things can, can be a little bit more, you know, organized, so to speak. They're good with systems. They like the implementation process. So ask yourself, do I like making sure that I'm staying on top of things? Am I the person that naturally lays out all my assignments at the beginning of the semester and then creates a strategy to accomplish those on time? Right? We all know those people. Most of us don't like them. Just kidding. That was, that was, a, that was a joke. Okay? I'm not that organized, so I have gift envy. Um, no, I'm just kidding. All right. People like this value efficiency. They value efficiency. They, they get really happy when I, an idea or an event is carried out smoothly and in the best way possible. You know, kind of like what I just mentioned about organized, but would apply here too with the, the long food lines in the event, right? People with the administering gift typically value this, this efficiency. And then also people with this gift are usually good at communicating and delegating tasks. And that was where I kind of gave you the caveat with the leadership gift earlier, is sometimes a leader can be high level, but he struggles at this stage of the delegating of the tasks. They know what needs to be done, and they know when it needs to be done, and they give good leadership direction to those working to carry it out. It's a good managing gift. And so it's similar to the first gift, but I would say it's even better than the first gift in this area. Those who are gifted at administrating are good managers. And it's harder for the visionary leader to often break down a goal and delegate specific responsibilities and tasks to others. So again, this is why these these things are absolutely necessary together in the leadership of the church. So what should I be aware of if I have this gift? This is getting warm in here, isn't it? You guys are doing well. I'm starting to sweat, though. I have to keep my jacket on. All right, what should I be aware of if I have this gift? You're too calculating sometimes. Okay? Sometimes with those with a gift of administration might see several points of failure, and they want to jettison an idea too quickly. Right? Like you see a problem, and you're like, you know, we can't, we can't do that. Maybe the idea is a good idea, but it just needs some modification or tweaks. Or sometimes you just don't have all the data that you need in order to get certainty. Like you don't have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted yet, and you can't, but you have to make a decision. People like this hate that, okay? Because they want all the calculations. They want, it, they want certainty as much as they can have it. Those, those with this gift usually have a harder time going along with the plan when they still have unanswered questions about how it's going to be implemented. But sometimes you just can't answer all the questions. All right? Next, you trend into being controlling. It's easy to slip into thinking that we're ultimately in control of our ideas and their implementation, and to forget that it's ultimately the Lord who sees our plans through. Right? Proverbs 16.9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The Lord's the implementer, right? This verse shouldn't be used to justify a half-baked idea by the visionary guy. You know, like, hey, this Lord establishes his steps. You know, get off my idea. This is like, no, that's not the way. 
not the way this works. But it is to say that sometimes we make the best plans we can with the available data, and we trust the Lord as we begin to implement it. All right, another pitfall is drifting into being overly critical of every idea. Right? And that's just a form of arrogance as well on the other other side of that. You might feel like it's your job to be kind of the goalkeeper, you know? Like, nothing getting past me until I critique it. Um, It's your mission in life to try to poke holes in everything. And you've got to beware of drifting into a critical spirit. Okay? But you've got to maintain that gift. You have to maintain the ability to think critically without falling into that proud, critical spirit. Helpful checks on your heart are this, okay? First, always make sure you understand the idea. Tracking? Always make sure you understand an idea before you give your input. There's nothing worse than somebody reacting to a misunderstanding and all that time and energy that's wasted. Okay, So make sure you understand the idea before you start critiquing it. And then second, here's another, you know, you want to make it smooth. Always affirm everything you can about the idea before you give your constructive criticism. This is going to, you know, that's going to help your heart slow down and say, okay, there's good things about this idea. I can see why they want to do this. And then you affirm that to them before you level your criticism. That's going to help your heart recognize the good fight, the good, you know, of the idea, and then fight that pride that thinks you always know what's best. And then on that other end, though, I've noticed that those who have this gift might fall prey to the fear of man. This is maybe the other side. If you always think I have to talk and I always have to share my criticisms, then the, the opposite side of that pride may be the fear of man, meaning silence. You might hear an idea. You might see two or three points of failure. But then out of fear, you don't share them. What do you want? What are you afraid of? You want to be perceived as a team player. And so you go along with the idea, even though you know it's a bad one. You you don't raise a question. You don't voice your concern. And then on the backside of that, you're going to be tempted to be like, I told you so. I knew that, like in my heart. I would have said that, but you didn't ask for my opinion. So, you know, there's nothing worse than that. You know, a leader's just like, hey, Please, share your, share your criticism before we get headlong into this thing. Um, so don't fall prey to the fear of man. Those you're serving alongside of need to hear your honest assessments, especially, especially if you're serving with someone who is a more visionary type. They might get frustrated. It might seem like you're sticking in the mud at times, but it's absolutely necessary. Or God wouldn't have given you the gift. Is that fair? Okay, so real quick, how can I maximize it? Again, obvious. Continue to seek ways to become more organized and efficient in your own life and with your current responsibilities. So just keep working on that. If you've got you know, a decent system, keep trying to improve that system. Learn from other gifted administrators. Okay? Find somebody that seems to, to really be getting stuff done and really like mobilizing other people to get stuff done. And learn from them. Learn what it is they do and how they do it well, especially in the context of the church. And then look for opportunities to join ministry teams within the church, kind of with this in mind, to help them get organized, to help them kind of get efficient in what they're doing. Again, you want to come in with, with an open mind, an open book, you know, especially if you're not serving in any way right now, and just say, hey, I just want to serve you however I can. But then you're going to get into that, that team, and your gifts are going to come out. 
And so then, finally, I would say, really dig into these spiritual gifts. Understand them. All of them. Why? So you can spot them, right? You can see them in others and find ways to pair their gifts with the need. You can't do that unless you know what the gifts are, right? So, like, dig into this, these lessons and these, these teachings, okay? So that's high level, you know, what some of these gifts are. Gifts of, of leading, leadership, and administration, you know, obviously under the banner of leadership in general, and uh, either the kind of the visionary side of it or the implementation side of it. So if you've got questions, we'd love to stick around afterwards, either now or later, and, um, and field some of those. But next time, we'll talk about the gifts of helping and serving, okay? We might throw a few more in there, but at least those two, okay? All right, you're dismissed. <laughs>